Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lost Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is December the 28th, 2018, 2019, rapidly approaching on the horizon as we close out the current year. And I wish all of you a very happy, healthy, peaceful, uh, and successful new year, no matter how you measure success. Uh, It's always a privilege to join you, and I so much appreciate your listening to my program uh, because I've been on a man of on a mission. You're familiar with me, and you know that my mission is to wake up many of our fellow Americans. It won't do that again. My computer's been doing all kinds of strange things today. I have no idea. Back when I worked for the government, I had a sign on the wall of my office that said, to err is human, to really screw up, you need a computer. Anyway, we'll, hopefully um, the computer will stay quiet. <laughs> hopefully it will behave itself. Uh, but ever since 9-11, certainly no laughing matter, uh, I've been determined to wake up as many of our fellow Americans about the true nature of immigration, law enforcement, border security, the issues that protect America and American lives, and incredibly over a level of greed that, in my judgment, is unprecedented in the history of our nation, uh, we have seen all sorts of madness foisted on we the people by the politicians from both parties. I I know there's a tendency to point the finger at the Democrats and say, well, they're the, the cause of it, especially the folks who tend to read my materials and listen to my radio program and pay attention to my appearances in the media. But let's be blunt. Both parties are on the same page. When they talk about bipartisan support for immigration reform, hold on to your wallets and and grab a bulletproof vest because they are looking to open up the borders, bring in more foreign workers at all levels, uh, and ignore a crisis that costs thousands of Americans their lives every year. Uh, just today, horrible news story, young police officer who immigrated to the United States, I believe from Fiji, uh, was gunned down by an illegal, allegedly gunned down by an illegal scumbag from Mexico. I'm sorry, I can't use any kind of polite language. I'm beyond polite language and nicety, and this isn't about political correctness. This is about Orwellian misuse of language to confound understanding of the issues, to twist people's uh, ability to think for themselves. And all too many people are so concerned about offending people that they're willing to endanger their own lives and the future of their own children. That is stupid beyond words. And it's stupid beyond words to try to make this a left-right issue when it isn't, when both parties are up to their eyeballs in corruption and filth and despicable conduct with the idea of destroying middle-class wages and leaving America vulnerable to placate the Chamber of Horrors, the Chamber of Commerce, that bribes them. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. Uh, Look, it was Ronald Reagan who gave us the visa waiver program, which never should have happened. It was George W. Bush that created the Department of Homeland Surrender in such a way that immigration law enforcement was stymied after the attacks of 9-11. I I could go on for hours about the garbage Obama did to us and Jimmy Carter with Orwellian language. Don't use the word alien because it's 
too honest. Of course, he didn't say that. His excuse was, you'll do it or else. There was no excuse. So it's both parties. And when people say, oh, those Democrats, the devil rats and all this other garbage, grow up and get your head out of your tailpipe because both parties have a vested interest in destroying the wage structure for American workers. Both parties have immigration lawyers that want to flood America with clients for themselves. Bob Goodlatte's leaving Congress in a couple of days. Bye, Bob. I won't miss you. Uh, I had a 30-minute meeting with Bob a couple of years ago, and he was so quick to tell me how much more he knew about immigration than I ever could because he was an immigration lawyer. And the funny thing is I should have done my homework and I should have recognized that fact. They didn't. So when I checked it out, it turns out that before he came to Congress, Bob had a very successful, very lucrative law firm practice where he specialized in H-1B visas. And you wonder why he wanted to double or triple the number of H-1B visas. Ted Cruz uh, wanted a five-fold increase in H-1B visas and give permission to the dependents of H-1B visa holders permission to work in the United States. Don't tell me he's a conservative. This has nothing to do with conservative. These are betrayers of America. Bobby uh, Goodlatte, Bob Goodlatte's son, is a computer executive who got a start with Zuckerberg at Facebook. And Bob Goodlatte told me on a one-on-one conversation that his son would love to bring in thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of brilliant Indian computer programmers. Boils my blood. My first wife uh, died about 31 years ago to cancer. It's a horrible tragedy. Uh, The world lost an incredible person. I lost an amazing uh, wife. My son lost his mom. But she was a brilliant computer programmer. And many of our friends back then were programmers. These people are brilliant, well-trained, well-experienced, highly dedicated, professional, intellectual giants. But there's Bobby Goodlatte saying, the hell with Americans, let's bring in the Indians. And there's his dad in the position to do just that. Really? Democrats, they're the problem? No, folks, get your head out of your tailpipes. The politicians are the problem. The greed of our government is the problem. The fact that campaign contributions are nothing more than thinly disguised disguised bribes, that's the problem. And if you keep pointing a finger at the Democrats and ignore the Republicans, you wind up supporting people like Bob Goodlatte and a bunch of others who don't give a rat's tail about Americans but about their growing bank accounts. It's both parties. Make no mistake about it. Understand the issue. Understand who's doing it to you. Because if you don't, then you're not going to be able to confront these people and vote for the right representatives, hard as it is to find anybody who's honest and worth voting for as it is. But don't delude yourself. You know, I I know the Democrats are, are amazing. These are the people that used to support American workers, which is why I'm registered as a Democrat. But let's understand something. They long ago stopped supporting American workers. When you favor flooding America with more workers than the number of new jobs that are being created, you are looking to destroy American lives and the jobs for American workers. Um, So forget the Democrats. In fact, the Democrats want to legalize pot. Here's something that nobody talks about, but I started thinking about it the other day. You know, you listen to these politicians in New York. Mayor Dum Blasio and, and all these others. Oh, we're going to decriminalize marijuana. We're going to make it legal. We're going to vacate warrants. We're going to uh, expunge convictions for small amount possession. What a favor. This is social justice because the minority members are getting arrested far more frequently than, than white folks. So social justice dictates that we just stop making the arrests. Well, I don't know how many people use drugs that are of whatever ethnicity or race or anything else. But just maybe there are more people in the minority community turning to drugs because they live abysmal existences. And and I don't get that. I've never uh, believed in getting drunk because life is tough. Uh, I've had my share of adventures in this life, but so have so many other people. We we go through one hell of a tough time all too frequently and I have a couple of bumper stickers that I truly love one bumper sticker says the more people I meet the more I love my dog and boy isn't that the truth but the other bumper sticker said be kind to the people you meet because you don't know the battle that they're fighting 
And I agree with that completely. Uh, so, you know, maybe there are societal reasons and cultural reasons why drug abuse is worse in minority communities. The solution isn't to make legal what is illegal and harmful. Maybe the solution is to figure out what's going on in those communities that drive people to the use of substances that are addictive and, and cause their demise. Maybe that's a more rational approach rather than, oh, we're going to give you guys a free pass. Yeah, go ahead. Go out there and kill yourself. Go out there and get hooked on drugs. Go out there and use drugs so when you try to get a job and the employer asks you to give them a urine specimen, you can't pass the drug test. How does that work out? And no one talks about that one, that there are many jobs where employers will say, we're going to test you for drug use. And I don't blame the employer. Is that discriminatory conduct? Hardly. And there are many jobs that require a, a cool, sober, clear mind. If you want to drive a vehicle, you better not be driving under the influence of anything. Okay? So when, when we hear this nonsense, well, the social justice, we're going to legalize the marijuana. And, and when that person that smokes pot because now he's been encouraged or she has been encouraged to do that, goes to work, and the employer says, hey, Charlie, hey, Mary, uh, here's a container, fill it for me. What do they do on that day when they come home without a job and a family to support? See, but no one talks about that. We are making our citizens more dependent on government than ever before, which is what I think this is about. We are sending more and more money to the drug cartels, we have a serious problem with opiate addiction in this country, and we have heroin flowing so freely and cheaply that no matter how high the demand, the price has never been lower. That's the real metric for border security. Forget the BS arrest statistics. When I was on Neil Cavuto a number of years ago, Neil said, well, Border Patrol arrests are down. That means there's fewer illegal aliens here. That's a lot of bunk. Maybe the Border Patrol has gotten better at finding the illegals, so the arrests went up. Who knows? And, but the point that I made to Neil was that trying to figure out how many illegals are in the United States based on arrest statistics is kind of like taking attendance by asking people not present to raise their hands. Think about that. But if you really want to know how secure our borders are, the easiest way of measuring that is the price and availability of drugs that aren't manufactured in the United States, heroin, cocaine, and so forth. And the prices have never been lower, which means the supply has never been more plentiful, even in the face of a huge demand. That should scare the hell out of everybody. It's destroying our country. It's funding the gangs. It's funding terrorist organizations, as I spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's been a string of congressional hearings in Washington. It's time that those clowns had listenings instead of hearings. I've been before 17 hearings. And yes, there were some members that really paid attention, but the rest of them were on cruise control or looking to politicize issues that should not be politicized ever, immigration being primary. But these hearings have talked about how Hezbollah, a terrorist organization, backed, funded, trained, and supported by the government of Iran, the government that's in a mad dash for a nuclear weapon and got lots closer to it because of Mr. Obama's deal with Iran, plus the pallets loaded with billions of dollars of unmarked bills or whatever the hell he sent them, have made it clear that they have us in their crosshairs. Because Donald Trump has the guts, the chutzpah, the balls, if you will, to stand up to Iran and China, and we'll talk about China momentarily. And so we know that Hezbollah is profiting when people use drugs in the United States because they've become partners with the cartels and with the human trafficking organizations. And they're also using that movement of people across the borders to bring in sleeper agents. And a number of them have been arrested. And they are here waiting for a tap on the shoulder, a phone call, or a text message telling them tomorrow's the day. And that's why when the president says we're going to build a wall, then you have Chuck running around with his routine, and you have Nancy Pelosi with her routine, and then you hear this crap about we need a virtual fence and we'll put up drones. Well, go to Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, and um, you'll read my article, why, why Trump's wall is a must and why a virtual fence will stop no one. 
actually my phrase was virtually no one, but I have a wonderful editor. Uh, I, I guess the point is it's not virtual. It's for real. It stops nobody. And uh, I, I just used it that way because that was the phrase that I used when I was on with Lou Dobbs many years ago on CNN. The virtual fence will stop virtually nobody. And, of course, Lou's eyes lit up. Because a fence is the only way to really stop people before they get to come here. And then I hear the nonsense. Well, if you build a 10-foot wall, they'll come with a 12-foot ladder or they'll dig tunnels. Of course they will. And if you put locks on your front door, somebody will kick in your door. So let's leave our doors open, folks. Do you understand how stupid this is? The point about security is that it's done in layers. It's a multi-pronged, layered approach. You need a wall. You need a border patrol. Yes, it's fine to have sensors after the fact, but the sensors belong on the other side of the wall, our side of the wall. Without a wall, the sensors are ridiculous. They'll just be going off 24-7 with so many alerts that the Border Patrol will be running around like a guy with a bucket trying to catch all the raindrops in a house uh, with a leaky ceiling. It's not going to work. The trick to the wall is to cut the number of illegals down to a manageable number that can be effectively dealt with. But you're not going to hear that. And then Pelosi says, oh, it's immoral to build a wall. And people say, well, it's racist to build a wall. What's racist about it? The wall is not designed to stop anybody from entering the United States. The wall would not stop a single person from legally entering the United States of America. And there are many idiots out there that are convinced that if we put up a wall, we're going to shut off the Mexican border from the United States. Lunatics, fools, idiots, people, wake up. The wall is simply going to be erected between ports of entry to funnel all people and all cargo through ports of entry where they can be inspected. If you think it's racist to inspect people and cargo, then let's get rid of Customs and Border Protection because we spend nearly $14 billion per year on that agency that, interestingly, was put under the aegis of the Department of Homeland Security. If you don't think it's a big deal whether or not aliens get inspected, then let's stop having the charade. Let's have international airline flights land at airports and disgorge their passengers next to the domestic flights so that a flight coming in from Bangkok or Kingston, Jamaica, or Paris, France, would let out the passengers on the ramps right next to the flight from Atlanta and Miami and Colorado. No difference, right? Nothing to see here. This is the lunacy, the lunacy, the madness being foisted on us. And we hear it every day of the week, all the bullshit arguments, pardon my language, I don't know any other way to say it, I'm in a state of rage beyond words, beyond words. We had a young cop killed by an illegal alien who shouldn't have been here, and he's one of many. We had a couple of kids die in, in, in ICE, uh, or, or rather CBP custody, so-called custody. The bottom line was these kids were not being cared for properly in their home countries. The point is that we have so many children in America now being exposed to diseases because kids coming in from the third world have never been inoculated. Have never, some have never seen a doctor in their lives. Think of the public health risk that that causes. You know, Ellis Island was a quarantine station as much as it was anything else. But if you dare say that, oh, my God, you're a racist. This is the tactic of intimidation, and we're Americans, and we need to stand up to this nonsense. When people say to me, I'm a racist, I get in their face. It's a how dare you moment. Not a moment to coward say, oh, I'm sorry you misunderstood me. No. Racist? Really? Who is suffering the greatest level of violence and drug addiction in the United States? Whites or blacks or Latinos? I can tell you it's not whites. This is doing such damage to America's minority community. Barbara Jordan was a black lady. She was a member of Congress and a Democrat from Texas. And in the 90s, she did a study on the impact of illegal immigration that became known as the Jordan Commission. Everything I'm saying to you on this program is what she said in that report. Uh, may she rest in peace. She's passed away. She was brilliant. She was courageous. She was honest. She was accurate. And she made it abundantly clear 
that immigration laws must be enforced or Americans will pay with their lives and pay with their jobs, particularly American blacks and American Latinos. Is she a racist? I'm sure the ACLU would love to label her because that's their tactic. We'll slap a label on people and scare them. Well, I'm not scared of being labeled. I am pro-American and I stand for all Americans irrespective of the superficial factors, you know, race, religion, ethnicity. I could care less if you're an American that our country should be supporting you and looking out for your best interests. has nothing to do with race. But the Democrats turned it into a discussion of race. The pollsters turned it into race. Oh, the Latino voters want open borders. Yeah, sure they do. Latino Americans are hoping that their kids will be recruited by MS-13. Do you believe that story? Because that's the implication. It's failures of border security that permitted MS-13 to spread out across America like a goddamn cancer. And the Latinos want this. If you listen to the idiot pollsters who predicted that Trump would get his ass kicked during the last election. The only asses to be found were the jackasses making those prognostications. So here we stand. The government has been partially shut down. The news media is carrying on as though the world just ended. But what is President Trump supposed to do? He gets those intelligence briefings, and I'm sure that they are far bleaker than anything I've seen, and the stuff I've seen keep me awake at night, and I still remember what I learned when I had a security clearance, the stuff of everyone's nightmares. 9-11 wasn't fiction, folks. It happened. And it happened because of multiple failures of border security and a lax immigration system without resources, and you would have thought, that after 9-11, and forget the 3,000 dead, it's probably closer to 10,000 by now, certainly more than 10,000 people are getting medical treatment because of the toxins they were exposed to when the towers came down. There's a drug bill named after police officers as a drug the first, uh, first responder to die because of his exposure to the toxins at Ground Zero. So you have massive carnage, the destruction of the centerpiece of the lower Manhattan skyline just blocks from Wall Street, the financial capital of New York, if not the world, certainly the United States. And we still don't have the integrity to say, okay, we were attacked, the game has to change. No, the game doesn't change because the greedy chamber of commerce and all of their lackeys, the politicians taking their money, um, are running around saying, oh, you can't secure the border. This is racist. This isn't fair. It's immoral. It's immoral that thousands of Americans die every year because of people who shouldn't be here. It's immoral that wages are in decline because we bring in more foreign workers than the number of new jobs we're creating. It's immoral that our children go to school with gang members who try to recruit them and use tactics of intimidation and violence to do it. MS-13's slogan is murder, rape, control. And who are they murdering and raping? Young teenagers, boys and girls, 13, 14, 15 years of age. They have found gang members young as eight years old in America. In America. Eight years old. In America, going to school, gang members. This never existed before. This is the new normal brought to you by Chucky Schumer and Nancy Pelosi with her fright mask. But where have the Republicans been? They argue and they discuss and they pound the podium and they have their photo up. And at the end of the day, what's happened? Less than nothing. You know why? This is a failure by design. Secretly, they're getting up every day and doing cartwheels like that idiot mayor. I think he was from Pennsylvania or wherever, doing cartwheels when the courts allowed him to maintain sanctuary status. Look at this, and he did this little dance, you know. Wow, yes, ha, ha, ha. He wiggled his rear end, and there was a camera that caught it. Yes, great celebration. More kids will die because of that imbecile. Because of that imbecile. More drugs will come into America. Let's have a sanctuary. Let's ignore the immigration laws that are our first and last line of defense, not based on race. If you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, please check it out. Read it. I want you to know that what I tell you is fact-based, not a fairy tale, not some fantasy story. 
grounds for exclusion, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, mental illness, criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, prior deportees, aliens who attempted to defraud the immigration system or the visa process. And then we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge or aliens who would displace American workers. There's nothing in there about race, religion, or ethnicity. It's about protecting American lives and American jobs. And this idiot is doing the twist and shout because he found out that he could now go ahead and fight against the enforcement of those laws that protect innocent lives in America. And by the way, by the way, criminal aliens, and I don't care where in the world they come from because human nature is human nature, and every race, every religion, every ethnicity, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because it's human nature. Where do criminal aliens live? They live among the people from their home countries, whatever that home country is, whether it's Russia, whether it's China, whether it's Japan, whether it's Jamaica, whether it's Mexico, whether it's Israel, whether it's England, whether it's Italy. doesn't matter. Whether it's some country in Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They live in those communities because they blend in. That makes it harder for them to be caught. They live in those communities because they're accustomed to the music and the food and the language. They live in those communities because this gives them access to the women. But these are men. Uh, and we all know about that story. That's about as old as humanity as well. So the criminal element lives within the ethnic immigrant communities. And who's being placed at risk? The members of the immigrant communities. Yet if you dare suggest that we enforce the immigration laws, Bam, they slap you with a label, anti-immigrant. Well, I've been slapped with that label by no less than the Anti-Defamation League. Those jabbering idiot imbeciles who are part of the B'nai B'rith. What a bunch of losers. And the reason I say it is because I was a B'nai B'rith president when I was back in college. I was very proud of it. I participated in demonstrations. We went to Washington. LBJ was in the White House in those days, Lyndon Baines Johnson. And we convinced him to get the Russians to permit Jews and other religious minorities uh, to go, to let them leave, to let them come to America, go to any country that would have them. And when I became an immigration inspector at Kennedy Airport, I was thrilled to admit the refugees because back then there were no concerns that those people would blow us up or stab us because we didn't have terrorists embedded within refugees. At worst, we had some come in who lied about political asylum. Fraud has always been an issue. Think of the Nazi dirtbags who came to America after the Second World War because they were fleeing the long arm of the law. That certainly isn't justice. And we had some Russian mobsters come in claiming to be Jews that were being persecuted, but they weren't Jewish. Uh, so that's a problem. But there were no terrorists among them, and the numbers were very small and controllable. Today, you see where the refugee flows have become a major way for terrorists to move around the world. And in fact, the Iranian president said that if we continue on our path, that is the United States, they were going to send us drugs, refugees, bombs, and assassinations. Refugee flows include terrorists today. And so all that the president has been trying to do, and I don't always agree with President Trump, I certainly have issues with the words that he uses. My degree was communications, arts, and sciences. I call it my BA and BS. But back at work, when I was an agent, the, my buddies would often come to me and ask me to help them punch up a report if it was headed to Washington because they used to call me the wordsmith. Words do matter, and Donald Trump doesn't get it. Donald Trump sounds very much like the construction workers did that my dad introduced me to because my pop was a tradesman my biggest hero, my mom and dad. My father was a construction worker. He was a plumber. And they all sounded pretty much like Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is a construction guy. He's a real estate guy. Who is he hanging out with construction workers? There's very sh few shades of gray. These are black and white kind of guys. The switch is on or the switch is off. You met the deadline or you didn't meet the deadline. You came in under budget or you didn't come in under budget. You know, these are binary questions, yes or no. Boy, if I ever wanted to get my father angry and he asked me a question, all I had to do was start going into a long, detailed answer, and my father would give me that look and say, Mike, there's two choices, yes or no. Which is it? Now, it was kind of intimidating, but I understood that. These are straight shooters, no-nonsense kind of people. And then my father asked me a question. He expected me to answer it 
yes or no, no stories. Didn't want a story. And I get the sense that Donald Trump is very much the same way. Now, I don't always agree with that approach, and sometimes my dad and I had our disagreements, you know, growing up, children do. But I learned so much from my parents, I stand on their shoulders every day. But Donald Trump needs to understand that words do have impact, and sometimes he makes his own problems because he doesn't use nuanced language. When he called his executive order that was actually a proclamation, a travel ban, because that's what his enemies called it, he shot himself in the foot for some other very sensitive part of his anatomy. He should have stuck to his guns and called it what it is. What it was was an entry restriction. Travel ban is very different from an entry restriction. This is where he screws up. But he's looking at those intelligence reports. He's looking at this flood of narcotics. And by the way, DEA just issued their threat assessment for 2018 and disclosed that they've you know, seized record quantities of hardcore drugs including fentanyl that comes to us from our good friends in China. Some good friends. With friends like China, we don't need enemies. And yet somehow, George Herbert Walker Bush gave the most favored trade status. Bill Clinton ran promising that he would end it, but he didn't. Both parties, folks. Both parties. These aren't left-right. This is right-wrong. Mostly wrong. And, and, And so we have drugs flowing across the border, Marijuana being legalized, which is a gateway drug to the hardcore garbage. Um, and, and, and meanwhile, you, you, you look at the damage that's being done. So you have a president who says, you know, this is anti-American. The drugs are killing people. It's fueling terrorism. It's fueling the gangs. The money is leaving the country. And now the argument is who's going to pay for the wall. Well, I wrote about this. Well, guess who's going to pay for the wall? And it's Mexico, and it's all the other countries that send us their illegal aliens. And they don't have to send us a check, okay? They don't have to send us anything. We would just make certain that their illegal alien workers don't come to America. When when they get here, they send money back to their home country. Last year, Mexico received nearly $30 billion, with a B, thirty billion dollars in remittances wired home to their families by Mexican workers working in violation of law in the United States. Thirty billion dollars. And then there's the drug trade. And then there's other countries that get money because their aliens manage to come into America illegally, take the jobs, displace American workers, lower the wages, put Americans on welfare and unemployment and food stamps. Do you know that the wall would pay for itself in under a year, you pay the money now, and by the end of the year, the savings are far greater than the expense of building the wall in the first place. Insulation in your house, to me, is a good analogy for the wall. You put insulation in the house so that on a cold winter night, you turn up the heat, and the heat doesn't disappear out the cracks in the, in, in the, in the walls. The heat stays in, so you don't have to keep burning the fuel oil or the gas or however it is you heat your home. The savings in heating costs pay for the insulation, you see? The savings in money that would not flow out of the United States would pay for the wall. And you get the added benefit of far fewer people dying of drug overdoses, fewer violent crime, because so much violent crime has a direct nexus or an indirect nexus to drugs, and the gang violence that goes with it. So this is a win, 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 win. And Chuck Schumer says, no, you don't. And Donald Trump says, you damn well better because we can't keep doing this. I am sure that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi don't care about the cop that was killed. Why would they care about? He's a speed bump to them. They don't care about anybody who dies because they're that crazed over money and power. And by the way, let's set another record straight. I know lots of people say to me, oh, those Democrats want to flood America with those immigrants because they're going to vote for the Democrat candidate. There's probably a lot of truth to that. But here's something you guys didn't think about. If you drive wages far enough into the basement, American workers who lose their jobs or find that they are working but the wages don't give them the purchasing power they need to make ends meet, They're in a bind. So who do they vote for? 
Are they going to vote for the Republicans who tell them, oh, no free handouts for you? Or do they go to the Democrats who jangle all kinds of food stamps and housing subsidies, money and money and more money, all these programs, and they say, oh, vote for us. Look what we'll give you. And the Republicans say, nope, not for you. Uh-uh, no welfare. And, and, and so here's somebody who goes to college, gets a degree, is paying off a student loan, looks more like a mortgage payment, and finds out that either he can't or she can't get a job either as a computer programmer. We're bringing in thousands and thousands and thousands of Indian programmers. Thank you, Bob. Good luck. <clears throat> or, or, or whatever other profession they want. Or that if they get the job because the new norm is regulated by the massive influx of third world workers who are happy to take anything that looks better than a third world paycheck, which is garbage, you know, a bowl of almost warm rice and maybe a glass of water to go with it to wash it down. So suddenly they say, gee whiz, I can't buy a house. I can't buy a car. I can't go on vacation. I can't even order a steak dinner once in a while. I, I, I better find some way of getting some more money so I can support myself. And who offers that to them? You betcha, the Democrats. Who do they vote for? The Democrats. Who loses leverage in politics? The Republicans. Do they realize what's happening? Probably not. Most of the sharpest people don't go into politics. Some do, but they're the exception. I've seen enough politicians that, frankly, I I believe they couldn't hold down a real job if their lives depended on it, but they're high and mighty. They think they're so impressive because they sit at that dais and, and it was like Barbara Boxer, call me senator. She's lucky I wouldn't call her late for dinner, call me senator. Goodness, you know, I, I had the privilege along the way of meeting some real decent politicians. Louis Gomert is, is a guy I really appreciate. He's from Texas. And I was with Louis when I spoke at a panel discussion in Florida. I think it was 2014 because of my affiliation with the David Horowitz Freedom Center, something I'm very proud of, by the way. Uh, I've been writing for them now since about 2014, 2015. But they invited me to come out and participate in a panel discussion with Senator Jeff Sessions, Congressman Louis Gohmert, and Congressman John Fleming. And I met Louis Gohmert, and he was familiar with me because I'd been before a bunch of hearings. In fact, a couple were he was on the dais. And I walked up to him and I said, I hope I'm not going to upset you, but I have a habit of calling elected representatives by their first name. I said, you know, it's just the way it is because I I believe that the American people need to remember who the employer is and who the employee is. And members of Congress are employees. And I don't mean this to slight you in any way. I said, you know, I, I was a civil servant, by the way, with the emphasis on the word servant, maybe not so civil at least not the conditions under which we worked as as a federal agent. And he said, no, he said, Mr. Cutley, you're right. He said, when I was a judge in Texas, I insisted that people call me judge because if you're sitting in judgment of your neighbors, you have to erect a barrier because otherwise it becomes difficult to to pass judgment on, on members of your community. It's a tough job to be a judge because of that. But he said, if you're a member of Congress, people should be able to come up to you and call you by your first name because you're not above them. If you put yourself on a pedestal, you can't do the job. You're just one of them, but you have the opportunity to go to Washington to collectively speak for the neighbors in that community that, re- that you represent. He said, so Mr. Cutler, he said, please call me Louie. And I laughed and I said, well, there's a problem here, Lou. And he said, what's that? <laughs> I, I said, you've got to stop calling me Mr. Cutler. My name is Mike, you know. So he laughed, I laughed, we shook hands, and then we wound up spending quite a few hours together over the course of the next three or four days while this conference was going on in West Palm Beach, Florida. Beautiful place to be, by the way. Uh, we, we stayed at the Breakers Hotel, which was really spectacular. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, but this is the great work of the David Horowitz Freedom Center, and that's why I'm happy to write for them. But Louis Goldman was right. And you didn't hear the arrogance of a Chuck Schumer or, or of a Barbara Boxer, call me senator, uh, you know. But, but the problem that we have is that the American people have been intimidated by these characters. And they don't understand that they are supposed to work for us and they're supposed to represent us. And, you know, when we go to a restaurant, we're very specific about the food that we want to eat. We're very specific about the way that we want it prepared. And if we're not happy with the meal, we send it back. And if that doesn't work, we leave. 
but you have to place your order when you walk into a restaurant. The waiter doesn't pull a, you know, Johnny Carson, mighty Carnac, for those of you old enough to remember Johnny Carson. He doesn't hold the menu up to his forehead and, and, and says, you know, what, what, what do you want? You know, because I can figure it out. No, you're expected to tell the guy, you know, I'd like to have a cheeseburger and I, I don't like American cheese. I like Swiss cheese and I want it medium rare and so forth. So with all of the anger and frustration we feel towards our elected representatives, I have to ask you folks out there to ask yourself a question. Have you been doing a good enough job getting your voices heard by the people that are supposed to represent you in government, whether it's on the local, city, state, or federal level? They're not mind readers. And if they don't hear from us, then they presume everything is honky-dory and they're doing fine and they can do whatever they want to do. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. How squeaky have you been is my question. Probably not squeaky enough. And please don't tell me that you're only one person. Because history is written by individuals who step forward at a moment in time when that act of stepping forward and being heard makes all the difference in the world. Individuals write history. Individuals. That means us, you, me, and everyone else. And so the president looks at the situation and says we need to stop the flood of drugs, the flood of aliens, the flood of criminals and fugitives and terrorists. And somehow the Democrats have the brass to stand up to them and say, no, we're not going to do that. And the news media backs up the idiot Democrat Party who does not want the wall built. Now, again, the Republicans have the opportunity. Remember, the Republicans control both houses plus the White House. Where's the wall? Show me the beef. But now the president is drawing a line in the sand. But it's not being drawn with crayon. It's being drawn with, with steel and concrete and so forth. He needs the support of the American people. And, and I certainly would recommend that when Congress reconvenes in January that we all flood the switchboard, we all flood the members of Congress, and we let them know where we stand. Enough Americans have died. Enough immigrants have died. Drugs pouring into the country, illegal aliens flowing in, displacing American workers. And, and so think about something else. If you bring in lots of illegal aliens who do the bottom-rung jobs, you're depriving American kids that first job that's so important because you can't get a job without a reference, but you can't get a reference without a job. That little conundrum spins around forever. So you have to go through all kinds of twists and turns in order to get that first job. But now once you have the job and you do decently, you now have that first reference. You can get a second job and a third job. But if there's no way for a child to put his or her foot on the bottom rung of the economic ladder, then that child is being damaged. And Schumer's okay with that. And Pelosi is okay with that. If you flood America with kids who can't speak, read, or write English, spend a ton of money on English as a second language, the children who have learning issues, autism, and so forth, can't get the early intervention and the services they need so that they can overcome the challenges because so much money is being dedicated to English as a second language. And as the immigration crisis grows, the demand for more money to be spent on English as a second language grows and money that could be used to help all American kids and particularly American kids with learning disabilities evaporates. Where's the compassion there? Where's Chuck Schumer there? Where's Nancy Pelosi there? Where's the mainstream media there? Nowhere to be found. And then we talk about free college Well what's the point to going to college If you can't get a job that pays well Because American program Is competing with workers from India Thank you Bob Goodlatte Do you understand this vicious cycle Thank you Ted Cruz Because he wanted a five-fold increase Of H-1B visas Why? Why? So did Mitt Romney Why? If you're supposed to look out for the American people, then you make damn sure that the Americans are able to get those jobs. And you had Disney and other companies not only not hiring Americans, but firing Americans and ordering them to train their Indian replacements if they want their severance package. So don't tell me we have a shortage of high-tech workers. Remember, there's always room for more oarsmen on a slave ship. 
And that's what Schumer's trying to create. That's what Pelosi and Mitt Romney and, 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 and everyone else is trying to do. Let's destroy the middle class. Let's flood America with cheap labor. And we're so determined, and corporations are so determined to look out for the bottom line, they can't look beyond the next earnings statement. China, Russia, and Iran look decades and generations down the road. They're thinking, what's going to happen in 40 and 50 years? The CEO of the major corporations are looking at, well, what's going to happen in 90 days? Or what's going to happen next week when we have to issue our earnings statement? And politicians can't look beyond the next election. So if you're a member of Congress, as soon as you get elected, you're starting to think about being reelected. And you start to think about who do I have to go to for money and what hoops are they going to make me jump through? Because if you're getting that kind of money from a contributor, that contributor has become your employer. Because now you need to do what that contributor tells you to do if you want to get the money so that you can be reelected at the next election cycle. That's how corrupt this is. This is how we got to this point, folks. There's nothing normal about American politics. There's nothing fair about American politics. It's always been a filthy business, but money that we're seeing now has made it so filthy, so unbearable, that you have to be a sociopath or or, or, or a, a psychopath to want to run for office. It's never been this disgusting. This is not the way you attract the best and brightest. It's certainly not the way you represent the best interests of America or Americans. So you have companies that move their factories to a communist totalitarian regime that has zero respect for intellectual property rights and patents and copyrights. Where? China. Why on earth would you move your company to China? Because the labor is a lot cheaper and there's no regulations. And if all you care about is wages and regulations, I guess it makes sense. Except China then builds the same products the American companies built, but for lots less, undercut the American companies, and many American companies, as a consequence, go bankrupt. China commits espionage so frequently against the United States that the intelligence community has come to call it Chinese takeouts. And Donald Trump comes along and says, wait a minute, what's going on? So he now just issued regulations, and I wrote about this for Front Page Magazine. I hope that you will go and read my articles. And I hope that if you like the articles, that you'll pass the links along to other people, because I want you to be part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. The mainstream media is not going to report on this. They have a vested interest in maintaining the status quo, not reporting on the truth. And President Trump turned around and said, you know, students are being admitted for five years at a time. We're going to limit the Chinese because of what they've done. They're only good for a one-year visa, and it's got to be renewed. And we're going to take certain classes out of the curriculum that they can study. Now, this may sound radical to you. I don't think it's radical. I think it's common sense. <clears throat> but this makes me think back to February the 24th, 1998. Now, why am I picking that date? Well, February 24th, 1998 was two days short of a terrible anniversary in America. February 26, 1993, was the day that the first bombing occurred at the World Trade Center. That bombing killed six people, injured over a 1,000 people, inflicted more than a half billion, with a B, half billion dollars in damages in that once iconic structure that stood in Lower Manhattan. The bomb, when it went off, caused the basement of what was then the Vista Hotel to collapse. The hotel almost collapsed into its own foundation. The towers almost came down side of what it's supposed to be doing. This is very weird, so forgive me. I apologize for it. Um, but, but so here is the, the problem that we had, though. You had this bombing at the Trade Center, and on the fifth anniversary, the, the Senate held a hearing about foreign terrorists operating in the United States. And Diane, uh, uh, um, 
I'm so rattled with a stupid computer. Um, Dianne Feinstein, the senator from California, was a member of the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, Senate Intelligence Committee, and spoke at that hearing and said we ought to perhaps not be training citizens of countries that sponsor terrorism in ways that they can build weapons of mass destruction. We shouldn't be teaching them nuclear physics and biochemistry. But that's remarkable because you could say the same thing about countries that engage in wholesale espionage against America, like China. The funny thing was, though, that nobody got upset when Diane said that. When Feinstein said this is the way it should be, we ought to end the visa waiver program. We ought to stop giving that training and maybe not give visas to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Everyone kind of took the approach that that made sense. That was 20 years ago. Boy, how far have we fallen in those 20 years? Because back in, in, in 1998, this made sense to everybody. So Donald Trump comes along and says, this is what we're going to do with China. Because China commits all this espionage, and they're confronting us around the world. And, and you may not know this, folks, but if you read my article, you may be stunned to know that China has also bought a seaport in Israel, which has raised such concerns with the U.S. Navy that the Navy, um, the U.S. Navy is no longer willing to dock its warships in those ports in Israel that have been taken over by China. China is aggressively on the march across the world looking for world domination, and they've been clear that by the year 2025, they want to be the supreme uh, arbiter of, of technology in the world. They want to surpass America and, and dominate the world. And they're not making idle threats. They're doing what they have to do to meet their objectives, and that's not good news for the United States. And what they're also talking about doing um, and they're doing it, is they have their people under such control that they're using facial recognition technology so that if their citizens jaywalk or do anything that's not considered proper, they can take people's ability to get on public transportation away. They can kick the, stu the students, the, the children of these people, out of the universities. They have an iron fist over their own citizens and Google is helping them gain access to the Internet and letting the Chinese government know when citizens of China attempt to do searches on the Internet that are considered to be inappropriate. But the same Google refuses to work with the U.S. military, citing morality concerns. China is a totalitarian country. They have no respect for property rights, intellectual property rights, copyrights, patent law, and we build our companies there, and they're robbing us blind. They're robbing corporations blind. That is how determined our companies are today, their CEOs are, to minimize labor costs and to not have to deal with regulations. But in the long term, they are sowing the seeds for the destruction of their own companies. They are undermining U.S. national security. They are undermining public safety. And meanwhile, China is purchasing schools in the United States, hiring and firing teachers, and deciding what the curriculum will be that the students in those schools will study. How we can allow all of this to be taking place by a communist country is beyond me. Everyone's running around talking about Russian collusion. How about Chinese actions in the United States? China is also providing money to Venezuela. Venezuela is a communist country. It's a failed state. Venezuela, according to the president of Guatemala, provided money to the caravan of aliens. And by the way, uh, apparently there's been a report that another caravan is headed this way again. There's a determination throughout Latin America, probably spurred on by Iran and by um, both, you know, um, George Soros and God knows who else, to inundate America and cause chaos. And China it would seem, has a role. If, in fact, what the president of Guatemala said is accurate, it, it's clear. Because, apparently, Venezuela provided money to the caravan. Where does Venezuela get the money? Well, there was just an article about how China had provided Venezuela with $50 billion for petroleum rights, because Venezuela has petroleum. So, all of this, when you put it in a totality and paint this big picture, put all the pieces of this puzzle together, 
the picture that it paints is a very disturbing picture. And you have a president who's taking actions that are appropriate. Think about the Monroe Doctrine and this whole idea about South America being off limits to outside influence. Think about how President Kennedy reacted to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Kennedy was a Democrat, by the way. And now look at the Schumers and the Nancy Pelosi's of the world who want to take down our borders and leave us vulnerable to everybody and everything and drugs and crime and terrorism. You know, the 9-11 Commission was abundantly clear about how border security is national security, about how you can't wage a war successfully and defeat the terrorists and prevent them from coming here if you can't secure your borders. And not just the border with Mexico or Canada, but even the visa process. And that brings me to my last article, and we just have uh, two or three minutes to talk about it. But 60 Minutes ran a story last Sunday about Malta, that little tiny country of Malta, and how Malta is so corrupt that people are able to come to Malta from other countries, whether they're from Africa, whether they're from Asia, whether they're from Russia, and they're buying citizenship in Malta and getting passports from Malta. Why should you or I care? Because Malta is one of the countries on the visa waiver list, which means that once you buy a passport for Malta or citizenship, uh, and apparently there's a ton of corruption, again, alleged corruption, but if it's true, that means you can have a lot of very bad people concealing their identities, acquire Malta citizenship, and get a passport. And once you have a passport for Malta, you don't need a visa to come to the United States. Yet another element of border security that's being violated because of the visa waiver program created by Ronald Reagan. You see, it's both sides of the aisle. So please understand the nature of the threat that we face and who is creating the threat. It's the people in politics who are looking for money and power and will stop at nothing to get it. It's a dangerous set of circumstances that we need to comprehend is happening, and it's happening on a daily basis. It's impacting lives. It's impacting livelihoods. It's undermining national security and public safety. And it is a concerted effort to undermine America. You know, I'm very much concerned about the use of language, and I find it remarkable uh, that the the buzzword lately is disruptive, as though it's a good thing. There's a new company, and it's disruptive. When I was a kid, if you were disruptive, your parents got a phone call from the teacher or the principal, they weren't happy. Suddenly, it's virtuous to be disruptive. While America is being disrupted by some unsavory characters, who hold political office in the United States. So we, the people, need to push back, and that's why I want you to think about your New Year's resolutions with the New Year just days away. Please make the decision for yourselves that you will be involved. It's important that Americans be involved, not just listen to the program and get worked up, but write letters, meet with your neighbors, go down to Congress and meet with them, visit with your city council and other politicians, get the message out to them and make it clear to them that we're not the idiots that they hope that we are. You know, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. The other thing that I would very much like for you to do is to pass along the links to my radio program and pass along the links to my articles because it's very important for as many people as possible to understand how we're being betrayed so that we can push back against it. There is so much that's on the line, the future of our nation, the future of our children, and the future of their children. You can't be a good parent, folks, to be blunt about this, if you're not involved in these issues, because we need to safeguard the future for our kids. And that's something that all Americans can do, something that all Americans must do, and I hope that you will make that, at least one of your New Year's resolution and the resolution that you don't break shortly thereafter. I thank you so much for spending time with me. I hope the program is helpful to you. I'm sorry about the uh, wayward computer, but uh, nevertheless, uh, I look forward to seeing you again next year, actually next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. I hope you have a great weekend. Good night, everybody.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.